a Highline podcast. It goes without saying that this podcast contains spoilers. If you value ignorance in your reading and watching experience, maybe come back to this show after you've read and watched the featured material. But let's be honest, if you don't know already, he sees dead people. Welcome to Author's Intent. This is Dixie Lee Henning, and you are listening to Author's Intent. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your uh, little week off between the Hunger Games and jumping into our new series, the Disney Classics series. Um, After a lot of um, reading and research, I've decided that there are a couple books that I didn't add to the list that I'm really are they're really important they're like they are literally disney classics so i'm going to be adding a couple more books to this series of course we're going to be starting out with beauty and the beast if you want to know why we are starting with beauty and the beast the best place to find that out is on my instagram or author's intent instagram um i like to run some voting some quizzes and stuff like that um and a few weeks ago i put all of the Disney classics that I could think of through a uh, grid system and had everybody vote on it. Um, and Beauty and the Beast was the one that won won the cake. So we're going to start with Beauty and the Beast. Um, in the original list I had made, I said that I was going to be going Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas. But fun fact, and I knew this going in, but Pocahontas is uh, real. like she's a real person so the books that i have that are about pocahontas are really long um so it's gonna take me a little bit more time to get through that one so i'm going to start reading that now um but in the interim i'm gonna be doing the easier books and movies um, so Pocahontas is going to be a little bit later in the series. So sorry in advance. But um, so I'm starting with Beauty and the Beast and then I will be going into Sleeping Beauty. I had planned on making these these books and movies one episode things. But after reading the original Beauty and the Beast, I decided that this needs a little bit more a little bit more conversation because there is a lot, a lot that is different in the book a lot like we'll get into it but like you guys are not ready (laughs) it's uh crazy it's literally crazy whereas the other books like sleeping beauty snow white uh stuff like that their their books their stories are a little bit shorter um so it's easier to uh talk about it but the the beauty and the beast is literally like I think it's like 100 pages long, which is significant compared to the like 12 pages that I read for The Sleeping Beauty. So anyway, all that aside, thank you so much for joining me for Disney Classics. I think we should just jump right into it. You're not, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready to talk about this. (laughs) I, okay, so I started reading the book. I got the book a couple weeks ago. Um, and I was like, wow, this is beautiful art. They have beautiful drawings and stuff like that in the book. Um, the book was written, I believe, in like 18, early 1800s. Um, the author's name is Madame de Villeneuve. Uh, I, it took a lot for me to figure out how to say that. A lot of Google searches. Apparently there's a director that has the same last name. So that helped uh, finding out how to pronounce her last name. But uh, this book is just, it's a lot. Oh, actually, okay, so everything online says that the book was written in 1858, but that is incorrect. The English version was published in 1858. This book was written in 1740, um, and it was written in French uh, because that is the author's native language. Uh, This book... This book, it, I, oh my gosh, I don't even know, I don't even know how to start. There's so much different between what 
she wrote and what Disney made a movie out of. Um, I think so. The the Disney uh, cartoon movie and the live action movie that was re- uh, made in 2017, I believe, um, they start the story actually telling about how the beast became the beast. I believe in both stories, they give the impression that the the prince was, you know, selfish and cruel. Um, in the live action movie, they made it out to seem like he was that way because of how his father raised him, which, okay, yeah, that, I mean, that's not a reason to be a, a jerk, but like, I get it. <laughs> um, so in, in both movies, uh, uh, like a hag or a witch shows up at the castle um, and essentially says, you know, like, give me shelter and I will give you this rose um, as payment for your kindness. And of course, he refuses her because she's ugly. Um, and then she turns into this beautiful enchantress. And then he's like, oh, crap. Oh, dude, messed up, messed up big time. And it's like, yeah, dude, yeah, you freaking did. Um, And as punishment in the movies, this enchantress transforms him into a beast and also transforms his servants um, and like housekeeping people, just everybody that lives in the palace with the prince. She transforms them into these uh, like household items, like classic movie you see the lumiere the the candlestick you see cogsworth mrs potts all of these things uh they get transformed into these household items um and the stipulation on them getting transformed back into humans is the beast has to find someone to love him for who he is as the beast and then they can be transformed back. Um, and then there is a lot of stipulation around his uh, age and like there's a time limit on it. And there's a the rose that she offers the beast in the beginning of the movie to uh, offer as payment for her for his kindness. That rose is the like symbol of the time passing. So each time the petal falls is another year. It's unclear. It's unclear how much time passes. but. It's time passing every time one of the petals falls from the rose. Uh, so the book starts in a completely different place. Uh, you don't know about the beast for like a good chapter or two, I think. Um, obviously, there's no singing because it's a book. <laughs> you knew that. Anyway, um, so the, there's one thing that should be made clear this book is French. It was written um, by a French woman. It was written in France. Like, I, it's French. It is French. But she makes no open statement saying specifically that it takes place in France. She never makes a reference to any specific place in France or the surrounding area. And there are a few references to... to um, like theaters and stuff that exist in what would have been 1740s France. Um, but like the, it doesn't take place there. Like she never says this is in Paris. Like nothing, nothing like that exists in this story. Um, there is no specific setting within the country of France. Um, another big, another big thing, Belle, sure, her name is Belle in the movies. Uh, she is the main protagonist in the stories. Uh, she, her name is not Belle. I think that was just a decision on the part of the people who were translating it from the book to make a movie and a play and all this stuff. They decided that, you know, it's kind, it takes place in what they think might be France, but it's not very clear. Um, Belle means beauty. So just an easy way to, to, you know, finagle some things. Uh, but her name in the book is Beauty. She goes by Beauty. That is her name. And that is why the book is called Beauty and the Beast. Um, and another big thing, we never, ever, 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 ever 
I want to say ever 17 more times, but I won't. But we never learn the beast's name. We do not know what the prince's name is. It is not mentioned in the book. Disney gave him a name. I don't remember what that name was, <laughs> if I'm being honest, because they also don't say it in the movie. But he does not have a name in the book at all. He goes by the prince and he goes by the beast. That's it. A hundred percent. Full stop. So those are there's a lot of there's a lot of big differences. But those are so from going forward, when I am talking about beauty, I will say Belle just for continuity, because you guys know you guys know her as Belle. So I'll say Belle. Um, and obviously he goes by the beast. So I'll say the beast. Uh, but he doesn't have a name. So just moving forward. That's <laughs> that's where we're at. So the top of the story, uh, I mentioned that in the movies, they go in depth about how the beast turned into the beast. Uh, the book actually doesn't cover how he is transformed to the beast until the very end of the book. It's like a completely different section of the book. Like the story of Beauty and the Beast stops and then the beast tells Beauty, this is how I got turned into the beast. So um, that's probably going to be mostly in part two. But in the book, we start out in a, in a village with Beauty and her father. And here's another big kicker. She is one of twelve children, she is the youngest girl. There are six girls and six boys. Um, you never really learn their names. Uh, they are talked about a f a few times. Um, and there's some dialogue between Belle and her siblings, and of course Belle and her father. Um, but she has she is literally the youngest of twelve siblings. Uh, she and her siblings are pretty well off. Her father is a merchant in the book um and he makes really good money until he falls on you know just like bad times essentially uh he loses all of his money bell's mother isn't in the picture i believe at some point in the book they mentioned that she had died but i'm not 100 percent positive on that one bell's father is is a merchant in the in the movies they depict him as like this really kooky like inventor um, and like, yeah, but also no. <laughs> so he loses all of his money, um, and ends up moving him and his 12 children to a small village. Um, and it says specifically this village is on the outskirts of this really old forest, um, which we would know if we've watched the movies, the, the palace is in the forest. The father moves all of his children to this uh, part of whatever country they're in. They live there for, I think it's six years. Uh, they, they kind of figure out how to live a meager life. And uh, one day, um, an old, I think, employee of Belle's father shows up and says, Hey, one of the ships that we thought you lost in the sea just turned up at the port um and like they they have a bunch of stuff a bunch of like of the product that you're selling they have all of this stuff at this port and if you don't show up they're just gonna take it um so of course bell's father is like on it got it i'm gonna go i am gonna go get my property i'm gonna you know get all this money and we're gonna get out of this situation that we're in um, as he's leaving, he asks specifically his daughters, like, is there anything that you guys want from me? Do you want me to bring stuff back? And it makes a point of saying that the five older daughters say things like, we want the finest clothes, we want new shoes, we want jewelry, we want all these fancy things um, that, like, even if his stuff is at the port, there is not a very good chance that he could afford all of those things anyway so like they're asking pretty ridiculous requests um so he uh then comes to bell um and she takes notice that her sisters are asking for these ridic ridiculous and luxurious things um and she doesn't want to seem she doesn't want to she doesn't want to put that weight on her father she cares very much about her father 
Um, so she just says, you know, I don't need anything. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to bring anything back. Um, and he insists that he brings something back for her as well. And she says, okay, bring me back a rose. That would be, that would be more than enough. Um, and it makes a point to say in the book that roses are out of season. So the likelihood of him being able to bring home a rose was pretty slim. Um, so the father goes to the port to get, uh, to, you know, inspect a ship and collect all of his, uh, property and all this stuff by the time he gets there of course they have sold everything that was on the ship and the ship is gone uh so this i believe is like four or five day journey there and back so takes four days for him to get there he realizes like oh crap they sold all my stuff i can't bring anything back for my children i don't have any money what am i gonna do um and he starts making his way home at some point in his travels home he ends up getting lost in the woods. Uh, in the movies, you see that he gets actually attacked by wolves. Uh, that is not the case in the book. Um, he just stops for the night. Like, he gets really tired after traveling for so long. He's not really sure where he is, um, but he comes across this big, big property. Um, there are numerous statues throughout the the property that he notices that don't look they they look like they're out of place it almost like they made statues and then put them in these places to look like they were actually doing things when you know but they're statues um so he's making his way through through this property and he comes up to a palace uh and we all know what that is <laughs> so he comes up to the palace of course this is the beast's palace um he makes his way inside uh he finds it convenient that there is uh food and water for his horse so he just leaves it tied up outside of the palace um and he goes inside and he you know shouts for somebody to come come and meet him but nobody comes um and then he notices that there is a room off to the side that is lit by a fire and when he goes in there's a table and there's food he rests there for a little while um he then tries to make his way through some of the some of the rooms in the actual castle trying to find whoever it is that lives here because it, i mean it's very convenient that he has food and water and a place to rest um but he can't find whoever it is that lives there uh so he makes his way through the castle he can't find anybody um and of course he sees some more of these statues that look like people that were like in the middle of doing something and the and they got turned into a statue like there's just statues all over the place of essentially uh like castle employees <laughs> um which is just which is just weird he of course cannot find anybody in the castle to help him um so he goes back to this room that is lit by fire and you know falls asleep um he gets up the next day and he decides like whoever whoever it is that is showing me this hospitality obviously doesn't want to be seen and that's fine um he you know just shouts thank you into the void and leaves the castle um and he collects his horse um and he heads out into the gardens which he believes is the way out of the castle grounds um and the way home so as he is making his way through the gardens he notices that there are just a multitude of different types of roses there's roses growing everywhere um and we see that he thinks to himself oh i i can't keep my promise to my older daughters, but I can at least keep this promise to my youngest. So he goes to pick a rose. Um, and he actually in the story he he picks like a bunch of them. Like he picks bushels of roses. Um, which in the movies it's just it actually it's just in the live action movie that he goes to pick a rose. He picks one rose in the movie, which yeah, that's a little bit ridiculous to get upset about just picking one rose. Like, I think you can let one rose go, you know? But in the book, he is literally picking tons of roses. This is when, of course, the beast shows up. We do not get a description of the beast yet. 
um, in the story. Um, we just know that he is terrifying to look at. Uh, and I can guarantee that you think he looks like one thing and he doesn't look like that. He doesn't look like a buffalo with with wolf teeth. Like, that's not what he looks like, but we'll get there. So the beast shows up, of course, and, you know, accosts this man for picking a ton of roses. Of course, uh, the father, he's apologetic immediately and terrified, of course, because this beast is terrifying to look at. Um, But the beast doesn't, like, he doesn't threaten him. He doesn't lock him up. Nothing like that. Um, He says specifically... Either you, um, the father at one point says, like, I just wanted to pick a flower for my daughter. So the beast says, either you stay here for the rest of your life or you go home, present your daughters with this rose. And if and tell them and tell them that, like, you have to come back and you will be imprisoned for the rest of your life. If one of them. If one of your daughters willingly says, I will go in your place, bring that daughter to me and you can go home freely. I like this is it's like it's only the beginning of the huge differences. But this is a this is massive. Like the entire plot of the movies is that Belle runs to the castle and essentially breaks her father out of out of this cell that the beast has put him in um, and sacrifices herself, which, I mean, is similar to the situation that um, the beast just proposed. But the fact that she has siblings that are just as capable of, of offering themselves up and the fact that the beast willingly says, you have a month, go home. If none of your daughters willingly choose to come and live with me, then you must return and serve a life sentence with me here in the castle. That is a big deal. <laughs> so, of course, the the beast puts on like, this is important. If you do not come back after a month's time, I will come and get you. Um, and he makes it, he specifically says that the daughter has to willingly choose to sacrifice her life for her father and understand that the situation that she is entering into understand that he is a beast he is an ugly monster um and that this is a life sentence um of course the father is thinking of like undoubtedly like i'm gonna go and one of my children will probably want to do this for me um and then i'm gonna bring them back to the castle and the beast is just gonna eat them Nope. <laughs> so, of course, the father goes, um, he is put onto a horse that the beast actually has that travels at a speed that is, like, incredible. Um, it says specifically in the book that it, it makes the distance, the traveling distance, like, it cuts it in half completely. It's almost like he just appears at home. Once he gets on this horse, um, he gets home. Uh, he informs his children that, like, you know, the the port, the boat was gone and all of the stuff was gone. He has a rose still that he gives to to Belle. And then he explains to them the situation that he's in, that he he has to return back to this this place and he will be gone forever. And of course, he's not going to tell his children that one of them needs to sacrifice themselves. And this is also this is a big thing. Um, so Belle's siblings, her sister specifically, not her brothers. It says in the book that her brothers love her and adore her like completely. They they are just head over heels over their youngest sister. But her older sisters, the five older sisters, they are utterly jealous of her. They are incredibly jealous of her. She has unmatched beauty. She's the most beautiful of the six of them. She's intelligent. She's, you know, brilliant. She's smart. She knows how to do all these things. It says in the in the book that she knows how to play like any instrument that's laid in her lap. Um, she's just just like better in every way than the other siblings. Uh of course, the oldest sibling, uh, filled with jealousy, says that 
uh, her father would not be in this situation as if it wasn't for the ridiculous request that Belle had made of him, essentially saying, if she hadn't asked for a rose, we wouldn't be in this situation. You would have just come home. Um, and of course, Belle being guilt tripped into this says, oh my gosh, you're right. I can't believe I asked for such a ridiculous thing. It's not, roses aren't even in season. If I hadn't, if I hadn't asked for such a silly, silly thing, my dad would not have gone to, well, he would have gone to the castle, but he wouldn't have seen the roses and thought to pick one for me. And then we would not be in this situation. So of course, Belle is like, I like I have to I have to do this like I have to sacrifice myself for you because the only reason you're in this situation is because I asked for such a stupid gift unlike any father I've ever met he's like yeah cool uh let's spend some time with your siblings we have a month so in a month we'll uh head back to the castle and you'll get eaten <laughs> and uh let's just spend some time with family and you know enjoy the the 28 days that we have left together which is just like okay <laughs> whatever dad um so they spend some time with family and then they head back to the castle of course the the dad goes with bell back to the castle um and when they get to the castle uh, bell experiences all the same things that the father experienced sees all of the statues in the garden um and on the grounds um and in the castle as well when she meets the beast it's more cordial it's more like a transaction it's definitely not like fear um she knew what was she was getting into when she went to the castle so she's not as afraid of course she's terrified but like seeing him she was like yeah that makes sense that this thing is gonna eat me <laughs> um so she gets to the castle uh of course the uh there is you know food and water and uh a place to sleep set up for her and her father um the beast says specifically were you coerced into making this decision and bell says of course not i'm doing this for my doing this for my father. It's my fault that he was in this situation in the first place. So rightfully, I should be the one that takes his place. She, uh, you know, spends time with her father over the next evening. Uh, the, the beast says to the father um, and to Belle, um, there are three chests in this room. Um, feel free to load these chests up with anything that you think that your siblings would enjoy. Essentially, here's a gift to your family for the sacrifice that you're making. Um, and the father and Belle load up these chests. Initially, they load it up with like fine clothing and stuff like that. And then they open up a big dresser and it's just like chock full of gold and rubies and emeralds, like precious stones and all this stuff. And Belle says, you know, like, it would make more sense for you to take the money and to find a way to support my siblings and support yourself than it would to just like give them fancy things. She convinces her father to fill fill the chests up with golden precious gems. Um, and then there's a moment there where she's like, how the heck are you going to get this home? Like these chests are insanely heavy. There's no way that that horse that brought us here could bring all of this stuff back for you. Um, so they go to bed thinking like, oh, this is just a trick that the beast that the beast made. And uh, the beast said specifically, you will wake up, you will have breakfast, and then you will leave immediately. Um, so they wake up, they have breakfast, they say goodbye, they head outside um, for the father to leave, and they find that uh, there are two horses outside. One of them is loaded up with the chests that they had filled with this gold and then the other was for the father to ride and um it says specifically in the book that the father gets on the horse and they are gone in like the blink of an eye um and bell you know grieves losing her family and heads back into the castle essentially ready to be eaten by the beast <laughs> and of course she spends she spends the entire day um worried that like oh this is it's gonna be like dinner time he's gonna eat me um so she wanders through the castle mindlessly um and here is another big big oopsie that the movie's made 
there are no talking household items in this castle. Not one, not one talking light stand. There's not a single talking clock. There is no teapot and teacups that talk. None. None ya talking stuff. Literally nothing. Belle makes her way through the castle um, and eventually... Uh, it's dinner time. She shows up to the table and finds that there is a placement for her to sit. Uh, she eats by herself and she's like, okay, maybe he's not going to eat me today um, and heads back to her room. Um, and the beast actually shows up as she is in her room and the beast says simple things, uh, you know, like, are you comfortable in this room? Um, my apologies that your father had to leave. Um literally like monosyllabic like very very simple stuff and the biggest 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 difference here is that every night that bell is in the castle the beast comes to her room he has very very short conversation with her very like how's the weather oh it's good like that kind of conversation and at the end of the conversation he says will you marry me and of course, Belle being the kind and generous person that she is, um, refuses him, but not in an offensive way. Um, now I kind of want to get into what the beast looks like, because it's uh, the worst thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Hello, my friends. You made it halfway through the episode, so now you will be rewarded with ads. Everyone loves ads, right? First, I want to say that I am so excited for Author's Intent to be a part of the Highline Network. We join the network alongside shows like No Normal People, Ravel, and Into. Here's a teaser from our sister show, Into. And it's that I got this unusual gift of finding out that my love has an incurable autoimmune disease that will shorten her life by up to 20 years. That seems like an odd gift, but. My stupid, dumb, giant tattoo on my ribs. Mm. I have yeah. grown to love so much mm. over the years. You know? Yeah, freaking nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you like about me. Don't be a dude. Oh yeah? oh yeah? Name 10 things about Katie that you oh, like yeah? then. Oh yeah, you like me? Why don't you marry me, sucker? <laughs> Name her first album. Yeah. You can find Author's Intent anywhere you find podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at A underscore Intent Podcast and Instagram at Author's Intent. So in the movies, The Beauty and the Beast, the live action and the cartoon, the beast is depicted as it jokingly as a buffalo, like he's a bison, just a big hairy cow. Um, he has horns. Um, he kind of looks like he has the muzzle of a wolf. Um, he has big, big claws um, and huge paws on his feet. Um, um, he's like a brown, brownish color. He's depicted as like this like chocolatey color um, in both the live action and the cartoon. Y'all, you're not ready for this. <laughs> Literally, like, I'm looking at the cover of this book right now as I'm getting ready to describe the beast. And, like, oh, my God, it's terrible. It's literally terrible. Like, the story isn't terrible, but, like, dang. Okay, so forget everything you think you know about what the beast looks like because all of it's wrong. Literally all of it. So he is described as being huge, which, yes, that's very much like the other beast. He's humongous. He is scaly. Yeah, you heard me right. Scaly, like a lizard or a fish. He is described as being like a gaunt grayish color on top of these scales. Um, he has huge, huge, like his nails are more like animal-like like he doesn't have claws it's like human hands that are covered in scales and like really sharp pointy fingernails like talons almost 
Um, and the biggest difference, and probably my least favorite thing out of all of it, he has two massive tusks on his face, and he has a elephant trunk. I'm going to give you just a second to process that. <laughs> Ew, right? Ew. Dude, dude looks like some weird fish elephant hybrid person um absolutely disgusting i'm so happy they changed it for the movies because uh no kid would watch that um ever ever i would never watch this movie i would never watch the movie based completely off of this book because that beast nasty no way Uh uh-uh they nailed it they nailed the nasty gross beast thing uh the movie however is like i mean I'd get used to it, probably. I don't know. It's... Okay, that's weird. <laughs> oh, God, I hate that I just said that. Anyway, moving on. So the beast is icky, icky, gross. I hate him. Um, he is described by Belle in the book as being kind of stupid like i don't have another word for it like he just doesn't know how to maintain a conversation um and she thinks that's why he only talks to her for you know a few minutes every night um he is just he's not illiterate that is one thing that doesn't make sense in the cartoon the cartoon um she specifically teaches him how to read like Even outside of knowing that he's a prince, he lives in this huge castle. There's no reason at all that he wouldn't know how to read. And then, like, going farther in, he is a prince. Like, he had an education. He should be able to read. Um, We learn in the book why he's a little bit less intelligent, um, but we won't get to that yet. So, uh, the Beast doesn't spend very much time doesn't spend very much time with Belle. You don't see like that scene where she he comes up to the door and is like, you have to come to dinner. Uh, that doesn't happen. She literally just like lives out her life willy nilly, free as a bird, except that she can't leave, essentially. Um, a big, big, big difference. Um, probably the most significant difference in, in the translation from the book to the movie. Belle spends a lot of time on her own, like I just said. Um, She also uh, tends to have these dream visions when she sleeps. Um, Specifically, whenever she dreams, there is a handsome stranger that shows up in the dreams. Um, And the stranger consistently says things like, you need to kill the beast to, to set me free. Um, So Belle spends a lot of time in the castle thinking that the beast has this handsome stranger locked up Um, and she doesn't she doesn't put the two together that the beast is the handsome stranger. Um, So she literally like lives to fall asleep again so that she can see this handsome stranger. Um, And multiple times in these dreams, he is just like. I love you. Do you love me? Like, I need you to, I need you to help me. The beast is a horrible, horrible monster. All of these things. Um, During the day, she wanders throughout the castle. um, And like I said, Lumiere and uh, Cogsworth and Mrs. Potts, all of those characters don't exist. Not, they do not exist. Not at all. Um, She makes her way through the castle and uh, she does meet some, what you would, consider like attendance um and it seems a little racist honestly uh (laughs) which i'm not surprised this book was written in 1740 and i just like if if you thought it wasn't going to be racist like uh, it's a little racist um specifically um the main attendance that bell finds um she finds them in a room and they're monkeys Uh, specifically like chimpanzees, like apes, uh, that, uh, tend to her. I believe that the apes can talk, uh, but not like a lot. They can't like maintain conversation. It's more like they know some phrases and some sentences and things like ask her if she needs something, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's not a lot. They also, she also finds a room full of like songbirds and another room full of birds that can specifically talk um and she makes a point of like selecting 
individual birds to spend time with. And those are essentially the only attendants that she has in the castle. She also uh, finds a lot of uh, clothes and stuff that are made specifically for her. She spends a lot of time walking through the the gardens. Um, and all of this time, she never sees the beast except for when he comes to her room at night after she has dinner. And then, uh, so in the in the cartoon she spends a lot of time with the beast which is just inaccurate to the to the book completely inaccurate to the book in the live action movie she also spends a lot of time with the beast after the the specific scene where she um saves him from like the wolf attack when she runs away that's just i mean it's just not accurate to the book at all but i i understand that like you can't really make a movie where the two main characters don't talk to each other except for like five minutes every night you know, like that's not going to be a good movie. So makes sense why they made them talk more. But according to the story, that would not be possible. She uh, in the in the live action movie, we do see that the beast after a certain amount of time shares this magical book with Belle. The book specifically takes them to places that they they can imagine. So like in the in the live action movie, he says to think of a place that you really want to go to, imagine it in your mind's eye, and then we will be there. Um, and of course, they show up inside of uh, inside of Belle's like childhood home or like where she was born. Um, in the movie, we learn that that's where her mother died because of the plague. I believe bubonic plague could be very wrong, but whatever. Um that is not something that is a reality in the book. However, there is a very special feature in the castle that she comes across. Um, and it takes the appearance of, I believe it's six windows. Um, and on a- inspecting the windows, she discovers that she can go to plays um, and visit um, shows and parties and stuff like that. Um, she, it actually says numerous times that uh, she sits in this box and watches these plays in these theaters that she remembers from when her family was more well off and lived in a bigger city. Um, and that while she's watching the show, she can look down at the people in the audience and she can actually see people that she recognizes. She doesn't actually physically leave the castle when she goes to experience these things, but she spends a lot of time in these places. Um, and I'm not positive what each room goes to, but I'm pretty sure most of them are theater based. <laughs> like she can go see comedy and she can go see a romance and all that stuff. Um, that is like the gist of what these rooms do. Um, so she spends a ton of time in there. She does find, I believe one of the one of the windows leads to a huge library. Um, another room that she finds actually leads to like a big music room. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, she's very talented. Um, she's a very talented musician, so she f- enjoys playing all of the instruments. So she spends, she spends, it's not clear how long she spends in the castle. She's there for quite some time. Um, and of course, every single night, the beast shows up to her and asks, will you marry me? And every single night she says no. One pivotal moment in the book, the handsome stranger that she sees in, in her dreams says specifically like, there's, there's only one way that you can save me and I'm, I'm dying like this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, and of course, Belle being, you know, caught up in her love for this handsome stranger that she's never met in real life. Um, classic 16 year olds. Am I right? Um, (laughs) she, when the beast comes to see her that night, um, she says specifically, do you, are we the only people that live here? And he says, of course, yes. No one else lives here. Because as we know, the handsome stranger is just like the the subconscious um, form of the the prince, the, the beast. Um, but of course, she doesn't know that. Uh, she says... It's hard to explain how she, how she says it. She essentially says that she 
she will stay with him forever, but she needs to she needs to address some things with her family back home. Um, and the beast um clearly just smitten with with Bell. Um says, you know, I under I understand. Um I'm sure that your family thinks that you're probably dead. Um I understand if you have some things that you final things that you would like to say to your family. Um so I will I will give you two months for you to go see your family. And he tells her he he's not he I don't it doesn't really feel like manipulation, but he tells her specifically, um, I'm gonna give you two months and you should know that I'm not going to come and look for you if you decide not to come back. But if you do not return at the end of two months, I will die. Um, and Beauty, sorry, Belle says specifically, I'm going to come back. I just need to, I just need to, you know, settle some things with my family. Um, and he offers the same thing. He says, like, here, you can take these chests full of gifts to your family um these horses will lead you straight home and when you're ready to come when you're ready to come home or when you're ready to come back to the castle he gives her a ring and tells her to specifically turn the ring so that the stone is on the inside of her hand um and all she needs to do is uh think that she wants to return to the beast and go to bed essentially um so she packs packs the the chests full of gifts for her family. She gets on the horses, says her goodbye, her goodbyes to the beast, um, and then leaves the castle. Um, she, just like I said with the horses before, she specifically gets home like super fast, like super, super crazy fast. Like she just like appears. Oh, wait, actually. Scratch all of that. I forgot. She doesn't take a horse. Um, the beast tells her to fill up these chests and that to just go to sleep and that she will just, she will be home when she wakes up. Um, and that's what happens. It's nothing with the horses. I keep getting confused with how the father gets home. So she packs all these chests. She goes to bed. Um, and she has, I believe she has a dream about the handsome stranger the night that she goes to sleep and then appears back home. And the handsome stranger is, I believe he, uh, goes to like attack the beast. Um, and she jumps in front of him, jumps in front of the handsome stranger and was like, you can't, you can't kill him. Like, I understand that he is the only reason why you can't be free. But he also is, he's, he's being very generous to me. Um, and then the handsome stranger like falls down and looks like he's dead, essentially. Um, so she wakes up after going to sleep and she's actually in a room that she doesn't recognize when she wakes up. And then she realizes, oh, this must be the house that my father bought after he left me with the beast. Um, and she goes outside and of course her entire family is there and they're all like, oh my gosh, how did you, how did you get here? How are you in our house? I thought you were dead. I thought this crazy monster ate you. Um, she spends a good month and a half with her family. Um, they, they talk about how the beast had no intention of eating her, but she does have to return to him. Um, and that she, and she talks about how she doesn't necessarily like the beast but she is she respects him and she cares for him for the generosity that he has shown her um and of course uh beauty is beautiful i mean that's why her name is beauty um so all of these all of these suitors that have been showing up to uh woo her older siblings end up trying to leave her older siblings to try and marry bell and of course bell is like not an option like i'm i literally am not going to be able to stay here also this is kind of a jerk move to uh to leave my sisters for their youngest sister like that is ugh. guys come on <laughs> so she spends a lot of time at home she enjoys spending time with her father and her brothers her sisters are still they're 
you know, tolerant of her, but they're still jealous and they're like, oh, I thought we got rid of her. So they're nice, but like there's a reason behind it, you know? So Beauty passes this time with with her family um, and then she, I believe a few days before the end of the two months, she actually has a dream um, and she envisions the beast laying, laying dead in this like alcove at the on the castle grounds um and she wakes up and she she feels guilty about it um and she goes out to her family and says i have to i have to return back to the castle or the beast is going to die um and they her brothers specifically like make plans to make it so that she can't leave but she never told them how she was going to leave so she was like she tells them like she has she has to leave and they you know like barricade the doors essentially and she's like cool but i'm still gonna be gone tomorrow essentially (laughs) um and i think that is where we're gonna stop i'll i'll give you the they you know barricade the door she says her final goodbyes to her family she turns the ring around in her hand so that the stone is in her palm um and she goes to bed and she wakes up back in the castle and next week we will get into uh, the conclusion of what you would know as the end of the story, The Beauty and the Beast, and we will talk about the origins of the beast itself. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I really, really hope you join me next week because uh, the, the, the origin of the beast is like intense. It's crazy. I love it. It was probably my favorite part of the story. It's very complicated and very confusing. <laughs> but very interesting and i honestly think that it would have made a better story than uh what disney pulled out of their hats for for the cartoon and the live action so that's all i have for you this week i will see you next week with beauty and the beast part two have a beautiful whatever time of day it is Welcome to the Into Podcast, where we seek to insight, insight, pursuing truth for the sake of wonder. Meet my parents. That's, That's us. us. I'm Pops. I'm the cotton candy queen. My wife, Katie. Hello. My best friend, Kevin. Am I the best friend or the wife? And me, Alex. Hey. Join us to have an honest and encouraging conversation about whatever it is that we're into. Highline Media Network, artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.